Welcome on in, welcome on in, welcome on in. It is Thursday night live, Thirsty Thursday. We are, we're getting lit tonight. What's going on, everybody? We have a lot to break down. We're breaking down the Ronald Richards stuff. We're breaking down the Jay Edelson shots fired on the Twitter. We're breaking down the OC uh, trailer. We're breaking down Ultimate Girls Trip. We got a little teaser from them. We did get another teaser for Salt Lake City. We are going to talk about the LA Times article. We're not going to get too deep into all of like the legal stuff, only because I have Emily D. Baker that's going to be coming on the show this upcoming Wednesday. I tape with her on Monday, but the episode will air on Wednesday. Um, that's where we'll dive deeper into the legalities. We'll talk about the Ronald Richards stuff more in depth with her legal analysis. We'll talk about the lottery payments. We'll talk... A lot more about all of that, but I'll never spill my wine. That's right, boo. I may spill the tea, but I'll never spill my wine. Also, thank you guys. We sold out of the drag me cans. Woo woo. Sold out of the drag me cans today. Thank you so much for supporting the Potomac cans or just supporting the no filter wine line in general. I'm so grateful and really appreciate you. Hi, Giselle. Hi, guys. Okay, we have a lot to break down today. Um, so shall we get started? Like I said, we're going to break down. We have a lot to talk about, but let's start now from the top, make it drop. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, or if you're watching this on YouTube, excuse me, YouTube, this is a rebroadcast of our Instagram live from Thursday night. So if you're watching this on YouTube, I am in the live chat, although this is not an actual in real time live broadcast. It's a rebroadcast from last night. Um, And if you're listening to this on the podcast, you know the drill. This is a more informal episode. I do audience engagement with people that are live and sending in questions. So It's less formal than the episodes you get on Mondays and Wednesdays. This is just like fun, thirsty Thursdays that we do on Thursday nights. All right. With that being said, with the the preface out there, let's dive in, shall we? First off, we have to talk about Rinna and Lois. Rinna's mother, Lois, has had a stroke this week. And based off of Rinna's Instagram stories on Thursday night, it looks like Lois is not going to make it, which is incredibly heartbreaking. Um, Rena's mom is slowly transitioning, as she says it, um, passing away, moving on to the other side. However you want to frame that, um, my heart breaks for her. Watching the stories and like she's like talking about it and she's like, anybody that's ever gone through this, I have so much empathy. And like I literally, I lost my mother practically, you know, my grandmother, who was like my mother and my father in one, I lost her this year. And it's the most challenging and painful thing anybody will ever have to go through um, is losing that security blanket that, you know, person, your person. Um, I don't wish it on anybody. And I, my heart breaks for Rena. I, no words can ever compensate or make you feel better in a time like this, other than I know a lot of people feel very, strongly about Rena, there are a lot of you know there's a lot of disdain and hatred for Rena. i get it um but right now we need to send her love like dorit when you know she had the break in last season right now all we can do all we should do is just send love to Rena, send love to the family send love to her daughters and just everybody close to lois it's not easy when you have to slowly watch your loved one die in front of your eyes um so If we can just take a moment to send them some love um, and just try to make a really heavy situation a little bit lighter for them, 
let's put our personal feelings aside and just empathize with the human being that's going through a really tough time. So love to Lois, love to Rena, love to the family. You know, nobody knows the pain, like the loss of a parent. And, you know, it's rough. So love to them. <sighs> that said, we do have a lot of tea to break down tonight. Um, so as weird as it is to transition from talking about something so sad and serious, life does go on. And, and you know, that's the, the, the challenging part of life is that it does it does go on. But we did have a lot of really juicy stuff breaking out in the news today. Ooh, I feel like I'm so sweaty right now. Jesus. Sorry, it's like really hot today in LA and I wasn't expecting it to be so hot and I'm wearing like a sweater. So I do apologize. Let me just like pat my face to soak up some of that sweat. Okay, but speaking of hot weather, Turks and Caicos is happening and the Peacock spinoff Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip is coming out next week. I believe November 18th, which is next Thursday. We got a teaser today. Um, we got a little sneak peek into Ultimate Girls Trip. We saw them, the women preparing for going on this vacation. We got some confessionals. We got some, you know, scenes of them filming at home, talking about like the anticipation. Kenya was very much like, I'm a little worried to be with that girl with the crazy eyes, which was Ramona. And Ramona's like, I'm a little worried to be around that scarecrow, Teresa, because there's like not a lot going on in there and she's a bit dumb. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was funny. I look forward to seeing what their interactions are actually going to be like. I believe the first three episodes drop on Peacock next Thursday, November 18th. We will be breaking it down then. Um, I'm excited. I actually think it's going to be, is it going to be like super juicy, dramatic? No. But is it going to be fun to watch? Sure. So I'm excited to see what Ultimate Girls Trip has in store. There is uh, a few Bravo accounts that have shared. I think I shared it on the Instagram stories for the No Filter account about Ultimate Girls Trip. The teasers are great. You know, you see them and they're all like getting ready for it. And they're talking to Teresa and Teresa's like, well, we're not all OGs. Like Melissa's not an OG. I'm just saying. And I'm just like, of course, like that's literally the only person from Jersey that's coming with you on this trip. And of course you have to shade her. And of course she's your sister-in-law. So I love all the shade. I love Kenya calling Ramona crazy eyes. I love uh, Teresa saying that Melissa is not an OG and we shouldn't classify her as one, even though I feel like Melissa technically is an OG at this point. She came in in season three and has been like a consistent pillar since then. Um, and then Ramona obviously calling Teresa a scarecrow, all gold. Like we're already off to a great start. I wasn't looking forward to it before, but after seeing this tra trailer, this teaser, I'm here for it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Um, okay, Real Housewives of Orange County also dropped their trailer today, which was also pretty good. I mean, we started off strong. It was a very interesting intro that I don't think we've gotten before for a trailer. Um, we haven't even gotten this when, like, Nene or Bethany returned to their shows in the franchise. But Heather Dubrow got, like, her own introduction where, like, she's walking in and it's very dramatic. And she's, like, watching the, the OC beach, you know, skyline. Well, I don't know if that's considered a skyline, but I guess the coast. Um, you know, we get a silhouette of her uh, walking and staring out onto the coast. It was very dramatic, but I was kind of here for it because I'm like, yes, if Heather Dubrow is going to make a comeback, like, this is the way to do it. The trailer was good. I would give the trailer maybe like a solid 7 out of 10. I know some people were a little disappointed in the trailer, but at the end of the day, like, it's OC. Like, we don't have a very high bar for OC. Like, if it were like New York or Beverly Hills or Atlanta or even Jersey, like, I would understand if we were a little disappointed. For OC, 
I thought it was a fair trailer. You know, we don't have high expectations for OC. They're not going to hit it out of the park. They're, you know, it's, it is what it is. I thought the OC trailer was good. We got to see Noella. We got to see the new plastic surgeon, um, housewife. Great. You know, I know Jeff Epstein and Steve from Faces by Bravo. They go to see her to get like Botox and, and, and stuff. So, I mean, I'd, I want Miss Armstrong to give me some. I think that's her name, Armstrong Taylor. It's not Taylor Armstrong, but it's something similar to that. Um, but, yeah, I want her to give me some Botox. Like, I'll do some Instagram promotions, girl. Let's get it. OC returns December 1st. I'm curious to see what we have in store. Uh, it looks like OC's getting a lot funner. We're going to have a little more levity. It, it seems like a good time. The New York bar is kind of low now, too. I agree with you, Russ. New York bar has been set not just low, but it's like ground zero. We're like six feet under with New York. There's like at this point, New York has really been buried underground. It was interesting, though. I did have Cindy Barship, who was an, uh, a veteran of, of New York, and she came on the show and she was like, they can't fire Ebony, but it's time for them to fire Ramona, which I thought was a very hot take. And I'm curious to see what direction Bravo moves in going forward. I don't think they can bring back Ramona. I think at this point, Ramona probably might be done with the franchise, but I also think Ebony might be done with the franchise as well. I don't think there's an opportunity to even bring Ebony back. I think she's really burning her opportunity. Um, quick shout out. If you haven't done so yet, you can order no filter rosé at nofilterwine.com. We have all of the four OGs from Atlanta, New York, Beverly Hills, and New Jersey who go and check me, boo. I'm ready to flip a table. I'm ready to mention all. And I stole Kim's goddamn house. We did today just sell out of the drag me cans, which were inspired by Potomac. Thank you again for supporting that. It is so excited to announce that we are officially sold out. I'm a sold out bitch. Kiss my ass and my anus because it's finally famous. Mm. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate the love and support. Um, okay. A few people have sent me this, like, news article about the L.A. Times and how the L.A. Times, I guess, after last week's reunion, they did a whole story about how or they clarified in this news story that they did reach out to Erica about commenting or giving her a heads up about the article that was coming out. Um, Cindy's interview was very refreshing to see. I just started watching season four on Peacock and she seems like a humble soul. I agree. I don't think Cindy was ever a fit for Real Housewives of New York. It was great chatting with her this week. We had a great conversation beyond just Housewives. She had a lot of hot takes on Housewives, but it was a fun interview. So if, if you haven't checked it out yet, please go and check it out because it's it's a good time. Um, but let's get back to the LA Times. So the LA Times said we did reach out to Erica for comment about the article before it came out. And a lot of people are like, oh, see, Erica knew about the expose. That's why she left La Quinta, blah, 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 blah. Yes and no. So I looked into this and they said that they reached out to her 48 hours before the article went live, before the article was published. And most of the time when an, like at, by this point, if there's only 48 hours until published at this point, the article has been written. And at this point, the objective has been made up, whatever, you know, the thesis of the article that's already been determined. And because like, think about it, an article or a piece that big and that investigative, you're not going to be editing it within the last 48 hours. If anything, you're going to be doing like little grammar edits or adding in a comment or two. But for the most part, the article at that point has been written. This takes minimum a week to pull together. I would assume an article that big, possibly a couple of weeks, maybe like two weeks, if not more, to put something like this together. So 
they're not scrapping everything together in 48 hours. And listen, uh, I've been the subject of hit pieces in the press before from some really big publications in the past. When they call you, because I've gotten these calls before asking for comment, it's very rarely like, hey, this is the article and this is the angle and this is what we plan to write about. We want your opinion to get a fair side. Sometimes they try to play it that way. It's like we want your opinion to get a fair side. But like for the most part, like I said, Anything that's happening within the last 48 hours, like it's punch ups, it's sending to the editor, it's final touch ups on the actual piece that's already been written. The narrative, whatever objective you're trying to make or whatever point you're trying to make in the article, that's already been determined. And one person's single quote is not going to change that. So a lot of the time when they come to you in that last 48 hours, it's not because your quote is really going to hold much substance. It's one of two reasons. They either want you to comment so that they can either bury you further within the article or they're going to bury your comment well within the article because your comment doesn't meet whatever objective they're trying to sell to the public. Um, Again, I've been the subject of this. I've been called by reporters. I've been burned by reporters. And usually when it comes to talent, a lot excuse me, a lot of the conversations don't go to the talent directly. The conversations go to a representative. So when it comes to Erica and she's like, I didn't actually hear about this article. Um, it likely went to a publicist, a manager, an agent, maybe even possibly a lawyer that represents her or represented her at the time. They go to the representative and the representative is the one that determines whether or not we bring this proposition to the talent. For example, there have been many times where I've invited housewives onto my podcast and a lot of the time the representatives decline and it's not really, okay, we'll, we'll take Lisa Rinna for example. Like, let's say I put an inquiry out to have Lisa Rinna come on the no filter with Zach Peter podcast. I'm like, Hey, I want to interview Lisa Rinna. Lisa Rinna's publicist is Jill Fritzo. And I was like, Hey Jill, I want to have Lisa Rinna on the show. Very rarely is Jill going to then go to Lisa and say, Hey Lisa, Zach Peter is a podcast host and wants to have you on your, on the podcast. Do you want to go on his podcast? No, Jill is making up that decision for the talent and trying to decide whether or not this is in the talent's best interest. So I'm pretty sure whoever her representative was at the time that was reached out to, they probably made a judgment call or went to Erica. Because I, I feel like Erica was pretty willing to answer questions on Beverly Hills and at the reunion. So I'm pretty sure she would have been willing to give a quote to the press had it come to her directly. Again, I know people think that she's lying or evading the questions, but she hasn't not been willing to answer a question, whether you think her answers are honest or not, that's neither here nor there. She's been willing to answer questions. So I feel like if the opportunity were given to her, she would have said something unless counsel advised against it. So I feel like whoever the representative was, they cocked blocked that opportunity because they didn't feel like it was in the talent's best interest. And then we moved on from it. So it's possible that Erica is telling the truth and saying, I was never contacted about this because there's a chance that she was never personally notified that this LA Times article was coming out. Or maybe she was notified that the LA Times was working on an article about Tom, but she didn't like it's within the realm of possibility. 
it's within the realm of possibility, which is the ultimate point. I know a lot of people don't like her. I know her, like, look, I get it. Her behavior isn't the most likable, but likability and culpability are not the same thing. They're very different. I can't defend her behavior, but I can, you know, I can at times try to understand where her behavior may be coming from. I think a lot of the times it is a defense mechanism. That's not to defend her, but it's to understand where this person is coming from, because this is a person that we're discussing on the show. But when it comes to criminal liability, is there anything that ties to her? No, not necessarily. What is she guilty of? Is she going to be arrested? Probably not. Could she be tied into a tax evasion scandal with the IRS? That's a possibility. Um, and that's something that she'll have to answer to as a result of what her husband and his bookkeeper were doing. Did she sign the tax returns? Yeah, so did Teresa Judice. Teresa trusted her husband, signed the tax returns, and ended up having to go to jail for the crimes of of her husband. Was Erica fully aware? Was Erica on TurboTax filing these taxes directly? No, people like that aren't filing their taxes themselves. You know, they have other people that take care of those things. And if Erica's, if what she's saying is correct, you know, then Tom was in full control of all of that stuff. Um, what's going on with Lois? Lois had a stroke. She's in the hospital and she's likely not going to make it. Um, so love prayers and positive energy to Rena and the family. Uh, Brittany says, but don't you think someone's behavior reflects on who they are and what they are capable of? Yes and no. I mean, you, you have to realize when somebody's in an intense situation like this, they go into a fight or flight mode, right? If any of us were put in a position where we're getting sued for $20 million, of course, you're going to want to defend yourself. Or not only that, where you're put in a position where you're being sued for $20 million, you realize that the last 20 years of your life have been a lie because your husband has been allegedly ripping off all of these people. But then on top of that, you have, you're on a public platform, you're on a reality show, and these women that you think are supposed to be your friends, someone like Sutton, that's taking you out to have a spa day and offering you money if you need it. And then all of a sudden you go from one day saying, hey, in your divorce, if you need money, I'm here for you. And then the next day you're like, I think this woman is a liar. I'm going to call her out because I don't think that her stories are being honest. You would get a little defensive. I think that that's natural. Again, do I like her behavior? Not, uh, no, I don't think that her behavior is appropriate, but I do understand it's in a fight or flight mode considering the circumstances and the amount of stress that she's under. That's not to take away from the victims. That's not to take away from the people that were ripped off by Tom Girardi, but... I can understand, like, multiple things can be true. You know what I mean? It can be cold outside. It can be nighttime. It could be daytime. It, the stars can be, like, multiple things can happen within the same reality. You know what I mean? I can walk outside and say, you know what? It's a really beautiful night. And yet there can be a homeless man a block away that's freezing his ass off. And then two blocks away, there can be someone that just got a proposal all within the same night. All of these things can be true within the same night. Like, multiple things can be true within the same moment. And that's what we have to remember. So that's not to take away from the victims. That's not to take away from the people that Tom Girardi was taking, you know, money from or not or defrauding or, you know, not giving them all of their settlement money. That's not to say that that's not the severity of it. But again, this is a woman who, according to what she's saying, had 20 years of her life and her marriage that were essentially a lie. 
defending yourself is very different than berating people. I agree. It is very different. And I think both are true. I think she's defending herself. And I think there have been moments where she has berated other people. You know what I mean? I think she, again, I cannot defend her behavior. But when it comes to the facts, I don't like to speak on her behavior. I know that's what other people get really fixated on. And that's where I think other people get upset with me. I don't necessarily comment on her behavior and this is this goes to the objectivity that people loved about me at the beginning of reporting about the Girardi case is they're like oh we like that you're objective but it's like okay well I can still remain objective and not talk about her behavior because I don't like her behavior but when it comes to criminal culpability there isn't anything that makes her a criminal in this instance There isn't anything that ties to her. We're a year deep into the investigation. Ronald Richards hasn't found anything. Jay Edelson claims to have found stuff, but hasn't been able to reveal any of that proof. There hasn't been a forensic accounting of the Girardi books. Like, guilty of what? Is she a criminal? According to the facts and according to the matter of the law, no. As of right now, no. Again, is her behavior distasteful? Sure. Is her behavior unlikable? Sure. That doesn't make her a criminal. I will say that until, and I know people hate me for saying that, and they think I'll def- I'm defending her by saying that, but that's the reality of it. That's the cold, hard truth. A lot of people didn't like Trump, but in 2020, Trump was our president. That's a cold, hard reality. People may not like him, but he was still the president. You know what I mean? You may not like Erica, that's not to compare Erica to Trump, but you may not like her behavior, you may not like her as a person, but that doesn't make her evil, that doesn't make her a criminal. That doesn't mean that she was defrauding victims. The people that were defrauding victims were the lawyers at Girardi Keys. The lawyers like David Lira, who at the end of the day were, were like, I didn't know anything. And then we walked away and said, oh, well, David Lira says that he didn't know anything, even though he worked on the Lion Air case, even though he worked on the cases where people claimed that they didn't get their settlements. He was a lawyer that helped negotiate those settlements that knew that Tom wasn't paying his clients. And so just because David Lira says, I didn't know anything, we're going to let David Lira walk when he was an actual lawyer with a fiduciary responsibility to these clients. But Erica can say, I didn't know anything and what we're going to crucify this woman because why we have a misogynistic culture that likes to tear down women instead of holding men accountable for their actual actions that's the reality that we want to live in people don't like that people don't want to hear that but that's the cold hard reality and at some point you need to look in the mirror and realize your hatred for erica doesn't make her a criminal um that said let's talk about ronald richards and jay edelson and all that fun stuff um Was Ronald Richards fired? Jay Edelson says that, yes, he was fired. On Wednesday, Ronald Richards announced that he was parting ways with the bankruptcy, the Girardi Keys bankruptcy, which is um, currently being run by Elisa Miller. She's the trustee. Earlier this week, Ron and Evan C. Borges, who is Erica's attorney, they objected to Jay Edelson's motion to withdraw from the bankruptcy because he wanted to pursue litigation against Erica directly. He wanted to sue her directly outside of the bankruptcy. When I first saw this come up or break in the news, I thought this this was like him trying to cut the line. He said that it wasn't him trying to cut the line, but I still stand in my opinion that it looks like Jay Edelson wants to not have to wait in line in the bankruptcy and wants to sue Erica directly. People think that this is a good thing that Jay wants to sue Erica, but it's 
the end of the day, he's suing her for $2 million. Like that's the most that he can get out for the Lion Air clients because that's what they're entitled to. So he's not going after her for the alleged $25 million or for the alleged $20 million that he's claiming she received from Girardi Keys through these um, fraudulent transfers, which we now know weren't actual physical transfers. They were expenses paid on behalf of Girardi Keys. So it was value received for EJ Global. Um, so he wants to pursue Erica directly. The bankruptcy is like, no, we don't support that. Now, Ronald Richards, Ron and Evan Seaborg, just Erica's attorney, both oppose that. They also said that Jay Edelson was being unethical. He was doing some backdoor deals to try and collect fees. And up front, he was trying to make it look like he's not getting any money from this. But according to Ron and according to Evan, Take that as you will. I'm not saying I believe them, but according to them, they're each saying that Edelson has some backdoor deals and he's actually profiting off of this case, which goes against what he's saying publicly. Um, Edelson, for those of you who don't remember, Edelson is the one that tipped all of this investigation into Erica off last year, right after she filed for divorce. Edelson is the one that accused Erica of, of filing a sham divorce and was saying that she received $20 million from Girardi Keys. Edelson says that there's proof that Erica did receive this. Ron is now off the case and Edelson says that Ron was fired according to court documents. It looks like that may have been the case and it may have been in relation to emails that Ron sent to Edelson that were unethical. I've thought that Ron's behavior has been consistently unethical. I know Erica's legal team has tried to argue that in the past and tried to have Ron removed based off of his behavior. I know a lot of people dragged me for saying that Ronald Richards was unethical in his practices. I think his ego got too big. I said that as well. People dragged me for that as well. And now it looks like the trustee finally has agreed that his tactics are unethical and he has now been removed from the case. The audience that supported Ron also seems to have turned on him and is now in support of Jay Edelson. I find that very interesting because the mob with the pitchforks that was dragging me on Twitter and in the YouTube comments for calling out Ronald Richards, they have very quickly turned on him, but yet they would rip me apart for months for saying the exact same shit that we've now proven to be true. Um, is Jay Edelson innocent? I don't know. I know Ron and Evan are both claiming that he's not as innocent as he's trying to portray himself to be. I've seen some stuff that does look a little questionable. I've invited him on the show. I don't think that I would give him the standard Kate Casey, Dana Wilkie interview that is easy on him. I think I would ask him a little I would ask him some tougher questions and I would hope, you know, to really not grill him, but to come at the interview from a different point of view that would kind of provide some deeper insight that isn't fully in support of, of Jay Edelson. I think a lot of people with Ronald, Ron Richards as well have invited them on his, invited him on their shows and been in supportive of him. So the line of question has been a little easy. Not to say that I'm supporting Jay Edelson or not supporting Jay Edelson, but I just feel like I would be able to ask some of the tougher questions that may be able to help him prove the case that he actually is doing this for the victims. Ron said today on Up and Adam that he voluntarily withdrew. To me, that sounds like a very housewives thing to be like, oh, it was a mutual parting. I'm leaving to focus on my family. Uh, you know, housewives just wasn't for me. You know, that whole shtick and spiel. 
of I quit. I wasn't fired. It feels very like a housewivesy thing. Um, but on up and Adam, Ron also claims that he has been working for the victims and plans to still work to support the victims just on a grander scale. In my head, I'm kind of like, well, what victims were you working for? How are you continuing to work for the quote-unquote victims? What do you define as victims? Because I define victims as former clients of Tom Girardi that Tom misappropriated settlement money from. As of right now, within the bankruptcy, which is what Ron, where Ron was hired, the only former client of Tom Girardi's that is a secured creditor in this case is the Rui Gomez family. That's one of the many former clients that's claiming that Tom misappropriated their funds. So everyone else that Ron would be getting money for, let's again, not forget his 40 to 45% commission. So whatever money he brings in, he collects that commission. And then whatever's left, the trustee and everybody else involved gets their commission or their percentage. And then it goes off to the, the, the order of precedent, which as of right now, looks like it's going to banks and lenders. So is Ron claiming that the banks and the lenders are the quote unquote victims? Because I don't consider them victims. I consider the burn victims, the orphans, the widows. I consider all of those people, the ones that Tom Girardi fought for. I see those people as the victims. I don't know if Ron necessarily agrees with that, considering those aren't the people he was representing when he was working for the bankruptcy trustee. Those aren't the people that, so everyone that's coming out, Jay Edelson, to be fair, is representing the lion air victims, which are the orphans and widows. However, the scope of what he's able to to get is to us up to two million dollars and that's about it so the alleged you know they're alleging erica got up to 25 million dollars but jay edelson is really only able to get 20 million and that's what the burn victims and the orphans and the widows are entitled to um that's the money that they were owed that wasn't paid to them not the full 25 million not even the 20 million but only 2 million so again, but when it comes to the, the bankruptcy, the Rui Gomez family is the only secured creditor in it that was a former client of Tom Girardi's. Everyone else is a bank and a lender that loaned Tom money. So when Ron says that he's fighting for the victims, again, I want to know what he defines as the victims and who he thinks he's representing in all of this. Again, Edelson says he was fired. Ron was fired, and that the paperwork is going to prove that. It looks like everybody's out for a cash day, though, to be honest. And I know people don't like when I say that, but until I see proof otherwise, I remain skeptical. Emily D. Baker is going to be coming on my show next week. We'll dissect this further. She'll be able to help us make more sense of all of this. If anybody has any intelligent legal questions, please DM me or send them over to me for Emily. That way we can break those down. I don't want the bullshit questions. I don't want the Erica's guilty. Why did Erica not talk about the snow in Pasadena? Don't give me bullshit questions. I want real, legitimate, thought-out, educated questions that you have regarding the legalities of this case. I'm not going to waste Emily D. Baker time or my own time talking about the bullshit give come at me with real questions regarding the legalities or just go unfollow me i don't i don't really care um i love the support but again i'm not gonna feed into the bullshit Teddy also, I guess, is now trying to be like a reporter. And she's like, hey, guys, I'm working for Extra now. And I'm, I'm you know, whatever, whatever. She interviewed Dorit and Erica, both of which have, have not given any interviews lately. But on behalf of Extra, Teddy was a correspondent. I believe it was at Kyle's Palm Springs store opening. She asked Dorit about the robbery and the break-in. Dorit seemed very strong. It seemed like Teddy 
who's not very great at interviewing people, Teddy was a lot more like shooken up and emotional than Dorit was. And that was, you know, a little interesting to see. Um, when it comes to Erica, you know, Erica said that the tide is turning in her favor. She seems to be uh, happy about the direction that things are going in. I don't know if she saw Ronald Richards being removed or what the case was, but Erica says that things are looking positive for her in the future. When it comes to Doree, my heart does break for her because you can see as strong as she was trying to be in that interview, you can still see that like she was trying to be strong. You know, she was trying to hold up a brave face. Um, whatever was going on with her, it was obvious that there's still some trauma there. You know, I know she's trying to hold up a brave face for her kids, but it's obvious that she went through something. I, I know that a lot of people are taking jabs at Dorit and trying to say that she staged all of this. She wants to do it for a storyline. I know PK on his Instagram post posted a video clip from this chick Sherelle from Sherelle's world. I don't know Sherelle. I've never interacted with Sherelle. And based off of the things that I've heard about Sherelle, I don't want to fuck with that bitch. I did see the comments that her and wh whoever her guests were made about Dorit and her family in that interview. And I thought that it was very disgusting to see people try to capitalize off of somebody else's tragedy. You know, it's one thing to talk about a reality show. It's one thing to, you know, throw jabs or poke fun or make levity of these things or to dive into the salacious gossip of it all. It's another thing to take cheap jabs about. I think they mentioned like her kids and made a joke about like her kids being tied up or how were her kids not affected by this? Like to me, my concern is not how were her kids not affected? My mind frame is thank God her kids weren't affected. Thank God her kids were down the hall and didn't know what was happening. I'm not somebody that's going to come in and try to question that. My focus, my headspace, my heart space is thank God those children did not see that. You know, I guess it's hard for me. It happened. I didn't want to say this because it's not my story to tell necessarily, but this happened to my family. It happened to my mother's with my brother's home, and they were there to witness something like this happening to my mom. And it's not easy, you know, and it does leave people very traumatized, and it does affect people around them. So making jokes, again, I get it, the, the salacious gossip, the fictitious bullshit of reality TV, I get it. However, these are still human beings and we need to be respectful. And my heart is just in the place of like, thank God her kids didn't have to be subjected to that. So it is what it is. Thank you guys. I, this isn't something that happened recently. This is something that happened many years ago. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to bring it up because again, it wasn't my place or my story to share, but I, I did see that and I had to witness that and it broke my heart being so, I think at the time I was like 18, 17, 18 years old. And like, I felt so defenseless because I couldn't take that pain away from my mother. I couldn't be there for my brothers. So it's hard and it's not about me. You know, I, Again, this is something that happened many years ago, and we've since moved on from that. But I just to see people make like say throw cheap jabs like that, I just think it's it's tacky, it's tasteless, and it's people just trying to, you know, gain some cheap likes. But love to Doree and the Kemsley family. Love to Rinna and her mom and their family. There's a lot going on in the world right now within the housewives realm. Um, and all we can do is just like, you know, try to be decent human beings and send love to these people, whether we like them or not. They're going through hard times and you don't have to be an asshole. <sighs>
All right, that's what I got for you guys tonight. I hope this was, you know, juicy. It's Miss Juicy, baby. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate that. Thank you guys for for tuning in and supporting the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, I was there in the live chat with you. I really love and appreciate chatting with you. Always a good time. Um, Yeah, send lots of love today. That's all we can do. I know this live wasn't as like funny. I wished it could have been more funny, but I just, you know, tonight we just needed to to have a real heart to heart. But I love you guys. If you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave me a five-star review. I really love that validation. I appreciate you. That love really does help and support podcasters like myself. So in addition to my show, if there is another podcaster or a show that you're listening to, give them some love. Show them some five-star support as well because you have no idea how much these reviews actually do really help. Um, Like I said, I'll be going live on Just Plain Zach to do a brow tutorial. I have my brow guy. Everyone's been asking me to do one. So I finally got Marco from EcoBrow to come and we're going to do my brows live on Instagram Live next Wednesday at noon. So stay tuned. I'll post about that and set a reminder so that you can go and tune in. Merch is going to go on sale. New merch goes on sale at justplainzac.com slash shop on 1118. That's next Thursday, November 18th. So next Thursday's live. We're going to do like a live shopping party. Thank you guys for supporting the Drag Me Cans. I'm so excited that we sold out. It was a limited edition run, and I'm glad that we have finally sold out. Like that's incredible. And I'm so excited and so grateful. The four OG cans are still available. So you're going to want to stock up for the holidays. If you know a Housewives fan that would enjoy them, please go and order them right now. It's a great gift to give to your friends, your Bravo-holic friends out there. Love you guys. Mean it. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I hope you had a great Veterans Day. If you had the day off, I hope you got to rest and hopefully got laid. All right. I will talk to you next week. Love you. Mean it. Ciao for now. Bye.